Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you Google rounders, apart from the 1998 Matt Damon film of the same name, it describes it as an old English game that never became a seriously competitive sport, although it is probably an ancestor of baseball. And I'm not sure our guest in this episode might agree with that. I'm Michael. And I'm John, and this is Great British Bosses from Anything But Footy, the podcast where we focus on the key people behind the scenes who make the British sporting world tick. So as we enter another year with health, fitness and well-being being top of many people's agendas, we thought we'd find out more about a traditional sport that's very much still around today. Hi, I'm Natalie Justice Dern, and I'm Chief Executive of Rounders England. Natalie, fantastic to have you on Great British Bosses from Anything But Footy. Tell us a bit about Rounders England then, the size, the scope of your organisation and its main functions and roles. Yeah, so we're um, really a, tr- a kind of a traditional national governing body. Um, as a governing body, it's been around well, not as long as the game, but um, as a governing body, we started off like a lot a lot of traditional sports bod- uh, bodies, uh, you know, with volunteers at first and and then over kind of the last few decades, it, it, it has grown. Um, I took over two years ago um, with, you know, just a real interest in what the opportunities are for rounders. Um, as, a, as a governing body, I would say it's, it, we kind of punch above our weight. I think people, a lot of the time, what we hear a lot of is, oh, I didn't realise rounders as a governing body. Um, you know, so it's, it's always a good opportunity to start a conversation when you, you know, when you hear that. Um, and like I said, we always punch above our weight, I believe, because people think once they get to know what we do do, they think there's a far bigger engine behind the size of us. So as a team, we're only around about a team of 10. Um, and in terms of the rounders playing community, uh, 10,000 people playing regularly, adults playing in the community. So in around about 200 and odd leagues up and down the country. Um, I didn't know any of that before I started. Um, and um, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that I... Um, see as a difference to a lot of other sports I've worked with is 
everybody has a real well not everybody i can't say everybody that'd be wrong with me but 99 percent of people that you speak to have a real positive affinity with the sport which um is a massive opportunity for us as we as we embark on kind of growth and and engagement further because it's a sport that i think like you said there 99 percent of us have played at school mm. But yeah. is the, your role then to ensure that those of us that did it in PE or games lessons at school actually realise there's a structure, there's a professionalism to the organisation, that this is something they can carry on pursuing in the same way that people will go and play squash once a week or go to their yeah. badminton hour? Yeah, I'd say so. And it's a mixture. I think we do work within the education system as well. Um, our, we've, we've kind of changed our approach in the last couple of years around providing resources for teachers and what have you rather than just doing competitions in schools for those that already play um trying to bring about that growth and ensure that it, it maintain and continues being played at school but again at different levels rather than it just be something they play like I remember at school in the summer when the grass has been cut it's actually a structured program um with, with school as well and, and and absolutely that as you say it's around letting people know that there are opportunities to play um you know in their local community it's easy to start around us club if you want to um and supporting those people that do but i think alongside that it's using the accessibility of the sport um you know to to tackle some of those inequalities that we've got to to really open up probably sport and physical activity to an audience that maybe are put off by the more traditional sports so i think that you know there's it's twofold what what, what our role is really We'll talk about you and your roles previously at, at triathlon and cycling, but those sports to me are very cross-generational, cross-gender, and I think rounders is as well, that actually mm. anybody can play it. And, mm. and isn't that a wonderful thing when we're all trying to get more fit and more healthy, that actually we could all come together and play this game? Yeah, we've just launched our a new strategy. Again, that's one of the USPs of it. It's It's... It can be played and is played by, you know, different generations, um, genders. There's no, you know, you can play it in whatever format you want to, to play it in. Obviously, what we do, we have structure, we have rules and we have competitions, but that's not the only way you can play. Um, but even through our leagues and what have you, a lot of them are mixed gender leagues and you don't get that as much um, now in, in a team sport anyway. Um, so that is that definitely one of the most unique things. Um, we have up in um, a few areas of the country, but definitely around Yorkshire, we've got some um, some teams that are a lot of Muslim women and South Asian women. And you've got every generation there. You've got the, you, the young girls playing with the grandparents, you know, the grandmas, you know, and it's amazing that that's something they can do together as a family. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, as you say, it's, that's a big opportunity for us. Why does it then all grind to a halt after school? Where, and, and what's your role to try and make sure that actually moving forward that doesn't happen? Yeah, I think um, I think it's it, along the same lines as a lot of other sports. You know, you do have a massive dropout, you know, that 11 and that 16. And, you know, and I think Rounders definitely does have that. And, and I think part of it is because, people, you know, maybe as, um, as a national governing body, one of the things that we need to work harder on is raising the profile of that. Um, it's a bit chicken and egg we're a small organization with not loads of resources so it's um, it's finding those avenues where we can start to build that reach and and start to build that profile uh, but you still do get it's um you know even even people that then played at school a lot of our leagues and teams 
the people that are kind of coming back to sport or physical activity and it's how we do bridge that gap in between we're hoping we, we've gone to um british universities to try and become a university accredited sport because i think that is one of the areas where we can really um grow and bridge that gap a little bit um just to start growing you know like you say rather than grounded to a halt when people do finish school and just going away with this nice rosy thought about what rounders is i imagine the students will love a game of rounders at university i think it's a terrific idea the 10-year strategic vision that you mentioned rounders reconnected launched early november 2021 Mm-hmm. We've spoken a lot about grassroots, mass participation, school sport and school sports summit we want to talk to you about. But you also, as an organisation, are responsible for England squads. So what can you tell us about the kind of international game of rounders? Yeah. Where are England in terms of the the World mm-hmm. Cup of rounders, if such mm-hmm. a thing exists? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, again, it's, it, it's an area of opportunity. We've always had England squads, women's squads. It's only ever been um, England women's squads, which, again, is quite unique in, in, in itself. Um, and it is very um, amateur. It's not an area that we, that we fund massively because we don't have loads of money. We can't get government funding to, to, to do that. So a lot of the players, they, they, we do have trials and we have pathways, but they, they fund themselves. Um, and... We use it at the moment as a bit of a showcase. So we have the England squads that maybe showcase at festivals up and down the country during the summer. And that is mainly because internationally, the rounders is played internationally in pockets, but it's trying to connect that. There's no international federation. Um, so that's something that we want to work towards or start to put those feelers out, you know, in, in other areas, maybe through the Commonwealth and what have you to, to see where there's, round has been played it's natural it's been played in expat communities in dubai pakistan india we found out the other day we spoke to somebody from australia it's played quite a bit in australia so it's how we start to make those connections to to build on that uh because at the moment we only have one fixture that's kind of seen as the biggest fixture and that's against wales and there has been that's every year there has been matches against isle of man ireland scotland in the past so we're trying to um kind of bring those about again but um global you know the, the that kind of international side of it is something that is a, a part of our our vision over the next 10 years and we 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 use an ambition of being a commonwealth games ready sport by 2032 and i we carefully use the wording of being commonwealth games ready we are not saying we will be in the commonwealth games by then but it gives us that drive and ambition to kind of work towards that commonwealth games obviously is coming to Birmingham in, in mm. 2022. Does that then represent a potential opportunity for you? Could we see some kind of festival of, of rounders whilst, as you say, it's not going to be on the programme? Is it yeah. something you can tap into in the build-up or as part of the legacy? Yeah. yeah, it's funny because as a team, that's what we're talking about, is actually what we're starting to look at is is exactly that. How many, how many people can we find, you know, that maybe living in around Birmingham, maybe through the universities that can represent their countries at a mini festival. You know, we get the England squad there and we might get a rep squad through, you know, some Australian students or, you know, other Commonwealth countries or whichever works. But that is definitely an opportunity because um, Birmingham, we've got quite a lot that goes on in Birmingham. It's definitely a focus area for us, um, you know, in the future. Can you play indoors? Yes. So that's the other thing. People think that Rounders finishes this summer, you know, when we've, 
when the you know when the clocks turn back they don't it's it's really grown indoors over the last few years um, and it's a great game I had no idea I went before COVID hit obviously we didn't play many we didn't play indoors last year but um in 2019 I went along to an indoor um like league and I was like wow this is brilliant because it's so fast and bounces off the walls and um it's a great game to be playing indoors as well and, and again just keeps people connected and together and active throughout throughout the winter Lots of focus at the moment, and rightly so, about women's sport, Natalie. And I wonder whether, when you were talking about how England played Wales and we've got people playing in Australia, but we don't have an international federation, I was like thinking, this is like rugby league, effectively. I mean, I'm not a huge follower of rugby league, but that's how I see it. It's that it's in pockets in this part of the country, in in this country, and then it is played around the world. And that's obviously very much a, a man's game. And I wonder... Do you think there's an opportunity for a for a sponsor and, and feel free to, to 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 plug it here? But you know, is there an opportunity to say, look, this is another women's sport, a bit like netball, where actually if we had some funding and we had some backing and we had some organization that you that you guys could lead, this mm. could be really beneficial for the women in this country. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And I think again, that whole commercial side is something that um you know, over the next, it's, it's got to be a focus for us, you know, like it is, we're aware that um, the commercial sectors, you know, is quite tricky at the moment and has been, but I think exactly what you said, the opportunity that Rounders has in growth, in engagement, and what would be fantastic is to have a partner to work with that can go on that journey with us. And I think that often, especially in the women's football, well, sorry, in women's sport world, that is often the the case it's about a partner finding the right partner that wants to go on that growth journey um you know rather than just you know the sponsor being kind of dropped in there's an opportunity to make change there's an opportunity to to be part of that journey right you know the way where we're at now so uh, you know absolutely and that is you know something that we're we are we are hopefully in the next few years we'll be able to kind of work with them work with some people because we can't at the moment as an organisation meet the demand and that's a great position to be in, but also quite frustrating. Um, for me, you know, um, I just want people to play. I just want people to get active and play sport. And obviously I want that through rounders. Um, and we've got a lot of people that want to work with us and partners that want to work with us on projects. And we just can't meet that demand because of resource. So yeah, hopefully we're able to, once we, you know, a bit more growth and engagement and we're able to kind of track some, um, you know, some partners to work with us on, on that journey, definitely. Well, obviously we will offer you all our support moving forward. And if you do have that mm. Commonwealth Festival of Rounders, we'd like to be mm. your commentators for it, actually. Okay. Uh, this is <laughs> anything <laughs> but footy. It's Great British Bosses. And we're with Natalie Justice Dern, the CEO of Rounders England. I mentioned school sport. Rounders ranks fifth in the most played team sports at school. You, together with other CEOs, wrote a letter to the Secretary of State in the summer about school sport. What did you say in that letter and how much of a concern is it that PE is slipping down the agenda when we all know, and it's a common sense approach, that it is part of a big answer, a big solution to a big problem in this country? Yeah, I think, and um, you know, I have... (sighs) It's, it's a strange one, really, and I have a lot of personal frustration also kind of just don't understand it why within 
the education system that you know there's evidence to prove there's there's so much evidence out there that says now you know fit and staying fit and active helps you know your academic side and and all of the above and the difference it makes on communities families and everything else um and i think you know the challenge we've got is is obviously due to changes cuts everything else sport is in some ways at the moment because it's not a um league tabled subject it is quite an easy one for schools to drop down the list of importance um and that's a real challenge and, and don't get me wrong i don't blame head teachers or teachers for that because of the challenge the pressure that they're under so our role as a sector is to really try and make sure that that doesn't happen um and to continue to lobby you know and that's the that's the absolute key and, and rounders plays it, it does play a big part in that um but but like i said i think there's there's other angles to that as well is how do we how do we lobby to get it you know regulated through you know league tables because that seems to be almost like the golden ticket that's going to make the difference but you know that's that's going to take some time to do that um but it's just around that lobbying to make sure that about you know the 60 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day that that children young people need or that people need and and raising awareness of all those kind of things how can we the other part of it was around extending schools so how can we get how can we support schools to open their facilities um to their local community um and you know there's again that takes kind of widespread sector support to do those kind of things but it's um it's just really concerning and when i sit in those meetings i like blimey when i was growing up it was just a given that you're active wasn't it and that you you walked to school or ran to school or you know went on your bike and you know i've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old and luckily they are they do enjoy being active but you know that's it's not, it's not every, every kid is it and that's that's a real worry that it's not just second nature to them it's obviously a huge issue infrastructure is mm. part of it as we know um desire of wanting to yeah. do it is another big part of it what was reaction then from from government when you wrote that letter I think uh, we well the we've just done the second iteration of it and I think it's only just going through now the youth sport trust are leading on are leading on that um but the you know obviously there are there's, there's positive signs you just you, you just don't know there's there is support from within the DFE there absolutely is um but it's just trying to in some ways combine you know get all the ducks in a row you know and getting especially your, your department for education your department for culture media and sport and everybody kind of singing for the same song sheet with some consistency and that's that's what we're trying to do is kind of bring about some of that so um there has been you know from the last pledge a couple of years ago there's been there's been positive steps forward um and um and what have you and there are you know there is ears kind of listening to it now but it's um it's how we just keep doing that and um, especially uh, as we recover from covid the impact there and the role that sport and physical activities can play it's even more important so let's talk about you, Natalie. How do you become CEO of Rounders England? How does that work? Not, with your journey? I have no idea. <laughs> um, no, I was. Um, see, I I count myself as quite as, as very lucky. I um, I started working in football actually. So back back in nineteen ninety nine, I was lucky that I was a, f- a football coach. And um, and when I finished university, I started coaching. And the guy that I was coaching for worked with the uh, the local county FA. And he, out of his own pocket, gave me um, gave me a job um, coaching and building up a girls' football program. You know, and back in ninety nine two thousand, that was like um, 
I remember going into schools and it being like, wow, you know, this girl's talking about football. We, we don't do it. And it was some, it was, it was really challenging, but a great time to be involved in that. Um, so I did 12 years um, working in football and football development, um, not strong girls, women's football, although that was, that was a big passion of mine. Um, but through to working and managing the football development programme for, for Birmingham FA. Um, and I, um, going through that, I loved working in football because I've, I've played football all my life. Um, I, uh, I, I always kind of say, I think one of my drivers was, I was a girl in the 80s um, that just started playing football for, I have no idea, just locally. Um, I didn't come from a football family. And I actually played for Preston North End boys team when I was like nine or 10. Um, and I used to get on my bike and go across town and, and, and play football. And then I was approaching the age where I wasn't allowed anymore. Um, but I was in my final year of, sec- of primary school and my hate, I used to have to, you had boys games and girls games then. And the boys played football and the girls played this game called Skittleball, which was a bit like netball. I just didn't like it. And I used to stand and watch the lads playing football. My parents wrote in to school and asked if, um, asked if I can play football in, boy, in in game time again and they got summoned in and I remember sitting at the back of the room where they got a roasting off the head teacher that it was disgusting that they were encouraging their daughter to play football and I felt really guilty that my mum and dad were getting told off by my teacher but also thinking no this ain't right you know so I think that subconsciously has always kind of driven me in participation and opportunities of sport um, and, and again when I was working in football I realised that it was around it was, yes, I loved football, but it was around um, just open up opportunities generally um, in sport. And then, so I moved on to British Cycling. I was a regional manager there. Um, and whilst I was there, British Cycling uh, were lucky enough to get some funding to start a women's cycling programme. And uh, and I applied for the job to lead that. And uh, effectively, we had a blank piece of paper with some money to spend. And it was build a women's it was called a, a national women's cycling network was the was the project title um and that's where we breeze was born you know the the women's program in breeze and um i was lucky enough to do that for five years and um i absolutely loved it you know um and still love it i still class it as something um, that i'm really passionate about and i love watching the journey of, of breeze as it's grown and what have you um and then from there i moved on to british triathlon um as the director of development development there so go try was um was one of the one of my in my in my remit and role and try and um and we had a great time with go try as well because again i was lucky to be at a time when we could bring about some change and change the program um so i think yeah it's always it's always been about participation and bringing about change and opening up accessibility to sport and i think that's really what led me to rounders and um and uh, i wasn't looking but um it, it kind of just came about and applied for the job and um me and my first ceo role so it was, it's been a bit of a baptism of fire especially through covid um but again is I, I could shout from the rooftops the opportunity that rounders has um and uh, and for me somebody that is driven by uh, make you know that kind of bringing about that change and open up sports it's it's just a great job to be involved. It's a great organisation to be involved in and great sport to be involved in. Well, speaking to you today, I can see why you got the job. Your passion uh, absolutely mm-hmm. shines through. That legacy, though, that you've mm-hmm. left, Natalie, from football to cycling mm-hmm. to triathlon, that is a heck of a legacy. Yeah, no, I just, 
yeah, but I just feel really lucky. I think, you know, that it's, um, I love what I do. Um, and it's, you know, I love working with people. I love meeting the people that you work with. And, you know, some of the, when I talk about football, I'm still friendly with a lot of the people that I worked with in football. And um, it was just the other day with um, with Breeze and one of the champions, you know, the cha- the Breeze, which were the ride leaders, um, and I still stay in contact with some of those volunteers that we brought about then. And um, I just saw something on Facebook that she's led 500 rides for Breeze. And she's just, she's this is 80 year old woman who's just amazing. That's why it's great. Um, you know, the pa- you work with passionate people. You, you can't help but be passionate about what you do, can you? Did you always want to be a CEO or did that kind of come about, if you like, by accident as opposed to design? I think by accident when I was at school, the and, and um, even going to university, the only path really was a PE teacher. Um, that was the one, that was the P, the sport thing that was open to me at that time. Um, and and when I was at uni, I just didn't want to do that. Um, and I was, and then I got into, uh, got into this thing called sports development. And I was like, oh, this is quite good. That sounds right up my street. Um, and then I think as over the last probably, yeah, five years or so, I thought, oh, I'd love to, love to, to really do that and and obviously working around us it's a great um, organization to to have that um to have the impact but also to learn you know as as we go as we go along and yeah the last few years I think I've always thought I'd love to you know I'd like to be a CEO and just to kind of you know lead lead an organization through um you know through maybe some of the things that we need to do and and also that to be able to bring about some of the opportunities that that I see when you know when you're talking about sport or physical activity or doing things a little bit differently. And you so, mentioned yeah. obviously challenges and, and challenges around COVID, but just mm. is it a different mindset in I know you're a, a non-profit making organization, but you do yeah. still need to bring the pennies in to run and that yeah. brings different pressures in itself, I presume. Yeah. I don't think you can ever really know what the change is when you're going to like a leadership role like a CEO. Um, and I say, I think it's a bit of an overwhelming sense of responsibility. That's kind of the change that I thought saw was um, a lot of the role and the things I'm doing and bringing about, you know, that's similar to especially a director role in another organisation. And um, But that overwhelming sense, sense of responsibility, especially in COVID, something like that, where there's people, you know, it's lives and jobs and and, um, and people are looking to you to go, well, what are we going to do? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, just kind of float by the seat of my pants a little bit. We've got, you know, at the moment. Um, and I think that was the big, the big change and the, and, and the pressure that that brings. Um, but, but hey, I mean, I'm, again, I'll keep saying I'm lucky. I've got a brilliant board. Um, and I think as a, as a first CEO, I've got a great chair, really supportive board. And that is so important. Um, and that is one of the things, to be fair, when I was approached about this role that uh, um, that I knew would be important and I'd, and I'd looked at the, the people that were on the board and knew that actually that was the right, was the right kind of move, really, because I think that, that, say, that is really important, especially when it's a new, when I'm a, a first-time chief executive. Um, you mentioned hundreds of clubs in the country. How do I find yeah. one? Um, you can go on our website and find it on there, um, but... We use um, a lot of it is around social media for us and our clubs, uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram mainly. So I always urge people to follow us on those because that's where we're most active. And we um, 
And we often put call-outs and shout-outs for local leagues and local clubs looking for players or the other way around. And do you participate? Is there a local club that you play with? No, um, it's, it's quite funny. Not at the moment. I, I do play. I play informally. So I play with friends and we play when we go camping. We go camping quite a lot in the summer with my, with my boys. Um, and there is a local league near me that I, uh, I've been to see. Um, but yeah, with a four and six year old at the moment and working full time, my uh, my sporting days have kind of taken a bit of a backseat wrongly. They keep me active enough, but, uh, and when, but I do um, love it. I do love it. And when you play, favourite position? Is it backstop? Is it bowler? <laughs> I always love first post. I love yes, being first, on first post. First post. First post and I love batting. I am I am not very good at throwing. My friends found that hilarious that I was going to work for rounders when I'm the one thing that I'm pretty bad at is throwing um i'm all right catching and batting so anything that's not not deep not out deep fielding that is not for me at all <laughs> and let's just look to the future before we wrap up mm-hmm. short term mid-term long-term goals for rounders england mm-hmm. you mentioned obviously being a, a kind of recognized commonwealth games sport is is yeah. that the 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 big ambition or do you, do you look beyond that even in in the long term yeah, our, the long-term kind of ambitions, we've got four main ambitions and one of them is around um, a million more people playing rounders in the next 10 years. And the other one is around a 100,000 pound strong, sorry, a 100,000 strong membership uh, because we are a membership organisation. Um, and, you know, the Commonwealth Games Ready side of things and also developing, uh, which is probably more medium term, developing a national league structure because we've got leagues and clubs and teams up and down the country, as I said, but there isn't, there's no national league structure for them to be part of. So that is, um, that's a big part of it as well, is that that whole competitive side and, and providing that structure for that. Uh, but it's mainly, you know, it's around sustaining the organisation and getting ourselves, you know, in a strong position in, in our foundations. And it's around growth, engaging our rounders community and be relevant to the rounders community of the people that are playing out there. Um, and like I said, developing our talent uh, pathway in England squads in order to hopefully become Wealth Games ready in 10 years. Um, and, and everything in between all of that, really, working with, you know, the education sector and the university stuff. So there's uh, it's really exciting. It really is. And, and like you said earlier, it'd be great for us to find some partners that can go on that journey with us as well. Well, it's fantastic to have a guest on Great British Bosses from a sport that we've actually both played because uh, we've been speaking recently uh, with British Curling and uh, we've not been on the ice. I've never done a triathlon, so it is fantastic to to have a a sport on Great British Bosses that I wouldn't say I've excelled at, but at least I've given it a go. No, great. I think that's the thing I always say, if we had a pound for everybody that says, oh, I love rounders or I really enjoyed it, then we wouldn't need any commercial partners. We'd probably be richer than the FA. (laughs) Natalie Justice Dunn, CEO of Rounders England. Thank you so much for your time for Great British Bosses from Anything But Foot. No, thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.